I think one thing that I've really been kind of reflecting on is kind of betting on yourself, um, you know, within your own limitations of what's realistic. But I think I'm learning that people are going to be there for you. They're going to want to support you. Um, but that can only go so far. So I think if you bet on yourself, it's contagious and other people will want to bet on you. And then they'll also want to bet on themselves. And I think whether it's running, family, work, a different hobby, you know, I think that it's sort of like a contagious positivity. Hello, podcast world. Welcome to episode 92 of Run Chats with Ron Runs NYC. If you bet on yourself, it's contagious, and others will bet on you and want to bet on themselves. Whether it's running, family, work, or a different hobby, it's contagious positivity. Gabby Rooker. Close your eyes and think back in time to remember your first two marathons. Most of us were out there to challenge ourselves and just prove we could finish. Gabby Rooker ran 254.57 in her debut at Grandma's 2021, then proceeded to slash another 20 minutes at Grandma's 2022, running a 234.57, easily beating the challenging new 237 OTQ standard. I'm so excited to share her amazing story to inspire more ladies to get after that new target. Gabby was a competitive gymnast who started at the age of three. She loved the routines, the order and discipline required to continuously improve and won three Division III individual national titles and three team national titles while competing for the University of Wisconsin Lacrosse. It's where her competitive fire was forged, and her love for the grind has really helped her running flourish. Gabby only ran one year in high school, and that was focused on sprints. We discuss her college coach, Barbara Gibson, her most impactful mentor, finding running, joining Mill City Running, and chasing an OTQ goal with teammate Kim Horner, her husband, coach, and team dynamic. Gratitude for running a half PR of 117 with Shalane Flanagan at the Eugene Marathon in May, and key learnings from her experience. Her initial frustration at the drop to 237 OTQ standard and turning that into fuel. A dream day, 234.57, a 118.12 first half, and 116.45 second half, a huge negative split, and a new half PR. Betting on yourself, inspiring others to hit the new OTQ standard. Community, volunteering at tracksmith races, and giving back. Gabby's focusing on speed this summer, and we racing and volunteering at tracksmith running's Twilight 5000 series. I'm stoked to follow her inspiring journey as she chases even faster times at CIM in December. I hope you all enjoy this convo. So let's dive on in and take a listen. Gabby Rooker, welcome to Run Chats with Ron Runs NYC. How are you doing this afternoon? Hey, Ron, I'm great. Thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, it's nice to see your face uh, so quickly after your awesome breakthrough out at Grandma's, man. Talk about having a day. You know, the new standard gets lowered so significantly. 
and you had a chance to uh, to smash it and break through and get way under that standard. So you got to be feeling pretty awesome and on cloud nine still at this point, right? Yeah, uh, still feeling pretty great about it and uh, still pretty, pretty surprised that I was able to, you know, hit my PR, exceed my expectations and uh, just have a great race. Uh, I would I would say a great race. Um for any of us out there who are in this game for a long time, if we can ever run a negative split race, we know we've done it right. But for you to run the negative split you did is really crazy. So let me just see if I could find it. I know I wrote the notes down here somewhere. I think you went through the half in 118.12 and you brought it home in 116.45. Is that correct on your splits? Yes, that is correct. And 234.57. So 237 is the new standard for everybody listening. And, you know, that obviously... I think all the women knew with the size of the field in Atlanta. And I was down there, you know, that there was just so many women there, which was amazing for the sport, huge momentum, tremendous shot in the arm for the sport. But it becomes a little bit of a challenge to have that many ladies out there in the course, nutrition bottles, all that stuff. So I think everyone knew it was going to go down, but to go down to 237 definitely gave people a lot of pause. When you first heard that number, was it like a big shock to your system? Because I think your first was 254, right? I mean, so you, your debut marathon was a 254, right? Yeah, uh, just shy of two, just just under 255. Um, and I think probably I was a little conservative, wasn't really sure how hard I should go out for that first one. Um, so I, yeah, I was chasing the standard, uh, knew that I was going to, you know, try and speed up, get a lot faster. Um, but I had hoped it was going to be more kind of 230, you know, it's only a minute or two, 238, 240. Um, it's kind of where I had expected. And a, a good friend of mine and training partner um, had, had run Indy 2021, just over 240. So, you know, we were kind of chatting thinking she must be so, so close. And then um, when we were we found 237. We were both kind of kind of crushed for a minute. And she she talked to her coach and I talked to my coach, who is my husband. And I said, he said, you know, you're gonna have to run a lot faster. Now you're just gonna have to run a little faster than that. <laughs> so I think his attitude about it was kind of at this point, you know, doesn't matter. You just have to focus on getting faster. And I think that was pretty helpful. Yeah, that's great. So your husband is coaching you. So that's always an interesting dynamic. And uh Great. So you're in the same household. So if last minute changes come up and uh, things in our social lives come up, uh, it's not as big of a deal to reach out to whoever is coaching you. So it's a little more, maybe a little more latitude with uh, moving workouts around and stuff like that. And who was, who was your training partner that was, that had just missed the standard? Was this somebody you're doing some work with, right? You guys trained together a bunch, right? Uh, so her name is Kim Horner. She runs with my uh, running club as well, Miss Mill City Running in Minneapolis. Um, she and I unfortunately don't run as much together as we would like to because of work schedules and training schedules and the way our things are structured. But um, we do try and get together as frequently as like, we can to run and then more of also just like a friend and support person. So um, whether we're supporting each other on actual runs or over a coffee or a beer. Um, yeah. Hey, listen, we have to find people. It's so important. Um, whether they're training for the same, you know, exact goal specifically, 
or um, and you're actually doing the runs and tempo work and long runs together, it's really not even that important. But it's important if you have that shared mutual goal, you know, you can just pass training info back and forth and, you know, kind of keep each other honest and, you know, definitely keep each other motivated um, as you're going through the cycle. Because as we all know, it never goes perfectly. There's always going to be some high points and low points in the training cycle. And in this case, I mean, since you had such an epic race, I mean, how did how did the cycle go, you know, leading into grandma's? Yeah, um, I did some traveling in early April for a wedding. Um, so I was a little worried that might disrupt things. But then as soon as I got back uh, mid-April, I was able to really get into my training cycle and have a really pretty consistent, strong six, seven weeks um, with just a nice slow build um, and then kind of increased volume, increased intensity and things went well. I felt strong. Nice. Nice. So you came in healthy, which is key. Um, a lot of times as we're doing buildups and increasing mileage and, you know, cranking out long runs, you know, we get the niggles, things come up and, you know, maybe we have some issues that we're carrying into the race. So to come in healthy is always a plus, but uh, pretty amazing stuff, you know, 254, you know, just under 255 for your first marathon and then to to drop so much time significantly to get under 235 and to run such a fast negative split. Because if I remember reading, you know, I think it was your Instagram post, it was one of your big highlight moments. You went out to Oregon and ran uh, with Shalane and ran in her group, right, for your half marathon until very late. I think you you got away, you dropped the hammer and were, ran away from her group a little bit for your what was your current half marathon PR, which was like 117.50 or something like that, I think. So yeah, 117.32. 117.32. So you actually ran faster than your half PR in the second half of Grandma's, man. I got to tell yeah. you, that's pretty awesome, man. You must have been feeling it. And uh, that's that's pretty awesome. But um, at this point, you know, we're going to uh, give everybody some background on you. Just tell them a little bit about where you grew up, you know, family life, all that kind of stuff. And we'll get back into for sure, like the blow by blow on the race. And you could tell us all about how it went out at grandma. So just give a little intro for the Run Chats audience on like where you grow up, what family life was like, and, you know, kind of your intro to sports, et cetera. Yeah, sure. So I grew up uh, in a suburb of Minneapolis. I have three siblings, two older sisters and a young, younger brother. Um, and I was kind of a, a third child, busy all the time, tons and tons of energy. So my parents put me in gymnastics when I was three and I basically just fell in love with it from day one. I was constantly doing cartwheels, which turned into handstands and flips and, you know, stick contest contests on beam and trampoline and everything like that from a very young age. So definitely that was my, my first love of sport. Um, and then unfortunately, because of the intensity of it, I wasn't really able to participate, um, in other sports. So we did, we would, would do, um, some running in the summers with gymnastics, but, um, aside from one season of fourth grade track, <laughs> uh, really wasn't able to, to do too much, too much track, uh, until my senior year of high school when I was able to, to run one season. Um, but then I got back to gymnastics in college and through college. So definitely a non-conventional route to running. I found it in my late twenties, um, had just very casually run, uh, after college gymnastics, trying to find my way with what I wanted to do as a adult athlete, hopefully. Um, and then I think it was 2018. I did better than I had expected to at the Twin Cities 10 mile race, which is kind of a, the, one of the bigger races, uh, here in the Minneapolis 
Twin Cities area. And so started training more seriously with my husband and then I went from there. Yeah, well, you were super competitive as a gymnast, right? I mean, collegiately competing on a really high level. Um, did you have hopes of maybe trying for an Olympic team? Were you at that level or just, uh, you know, just really, really good, solid collegiate gymnast? Yeah, so uh, it's trending a little bit older now, but historically with gymnastics, especially when I was growing up, um, the elite athlete was kind of 16 ish years old, the, the peak time. And certainly Simone Biles, Ellie Raceman, um, lots of other gymnasts have really pushed that barrier. Uh, but by the time you get to college gymnastics, that's kind of for most your, your victory lap. Uh, it's where you get to go have fun. So certainly when I was, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, you know, oh, maybe I want to go to the Olympics. <laughs> um, but then by 10, you kind of realize like, no, that's not in the cards for me, which is such a crazy different shift than almost all other sports. Interesting. Yeah, because they, they are so young. Um, you know, I remember in my generation growing up watching like Nadia Comaneci, you know, get the first 10 score in the Olympics and all. And they're, they're just so young and they, they're training so hard. You started at three years old. It's mind boggling that you were doing stuff at such a young age. And uh, when you look back on it now, it was a good experience, right? You learned a lot from it. You enjoyed it, your time with gymnastics. Yeah, um, I think, you know, when you look back on anything, you have a lot of hindsight. You can see the good, the bad. Um, I think for the most part, it was certainly, uh, driven by me. Um, there wasn't any push to stay in gymnastics if I was unhappy with it or anything like that. Um, I did always want to be a division one gymnast. Um, and the goal was always to have a Fulbright scholarship, but unfortunately due to some injuries kind of ninth through 11th grade, I sort of shifted focus and decided I was going to do division three gymnastics, which was probably the best the best decision I could have ever made because that was such a important and positive experience in my life. Great. Great. And, um, family life. So you're one of three, uh, three or four, three or yeah, four. So okay. two older sisters and a younger brother. Got it. So, uh, four family of four, um, were you guys competitive with each other and athletically, or you guys just kind of all did your own thing? I, I, we were pretty much doing our own thing. My one sister is seven years older. The other is four years older. So they were, they did a pretty competitive soccer, but they were far enough apart that they weren't really competing with each other. And then certainly, you know, I'm, I was in fifth grade when my sister graduated high school. Um, so there was no competition there. Um, and then my younger brother, he did soccer too. So really we didn't have that kind of sibling rivalry in anything. Got it. Got it. And what about like game nights and stuff like that? Do you guys, were you guys into board games or family stuff when you guys would all gather around and stuff like that? Was that kind of stuff competitive or are you guys all just too, too far spaced apart? It really wasn't, wasn't a thing for you all. Uh, we, my, my younger brother and I, with my parents did a ton of that. So, uh, lots of card games, lots of board games. And whenever I could, I'd want it to be my mom and me versus my brother and my dad. <laughs> and I always, I always try to beat them. Teaming up. I love it, man. The the battles at home are always always fun, and uh, and running. So, you, when do you first really dip your toe in the water with running and move away from gymnastics and you know just just get involved with our sport? So, I like I said, I did track my senior year of high school, um, but that was one hundred, two hundred, four hundred. You know, that's what everyone was running. That's what I decided I'd jump into. So, I really truly enjoyed that. I loved it. That's where I actually met my husband. Uh, way back when. 
So that was a, a nice time for me, but it wasn't until after college when, you know, I knew I was going to be done with gymnastics that I started to try and shift um, towards running, which I remember the first run I ever went on with my husband, he had just, uh, he was going to do a fifth year of track. So he was still in like his peak shape. And I had taken about two months off of doing just literally nothing. And we went for a run and it was probably 85 degrees and I made it, you know, halfway and there's a hill. And I was like, you know, it's probably a mile or two in. I'm like, I am done. I hate this. (laughs) So my, my first reintroduction into running as an adult is very memorable and didn't go so well. So I think, (laughs) uh, I can definitely look back at that and be, be glad I didn't have just that experience with it. Um, but then started to learn to enjoy it and slow down and meet myself where I was. Love it. Yeah, because everybody just thinks it's automatically going to be this great, perfect path, especially with your marathoning start, you know, to go sub three and then go under the the new Olympic standard. You know, it'd be pretty hard to beat those first two marathons for anyone, you know, getting into the sport later. Um, you know, so that's that's pretty cool. Um, it doesn't always go smooth and rosy and perfect. And, uh, you know, your husband was also a really competitive runner, right, in college as well, too. So, you know, who knows? Maybe he wasn't making it too easy on the pace for you. Maybe he was making you work a little too hard. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. So um, in high school, college, or anywhere along the way, who would you say has been the most impactful from the coaching side, somebody who's been a, not only a coach, but maybe somebody who's also a mentor as well and had an impact on you to this point. Yeah. So my college gymnastics coach, Barbara Gibson coached at UW lacrosse where I did gymnastics for I think 29 years. Um, and she was a phenomenal coach, but she was also just this motivating force. She was incredibly positive yet when she needed to kind of put the hammer down, she knew how to, and how, how firm of a touch to have, Um, and then aside from that, she really focused on taking this group of, you know, 20 to 23 young women, just figuring out who we are, um, and helping us by the time, you know, from freshman year to our senior year, become confident and more sure of who we are and ready to become young adults. Wonderful. So she wasn't just focused on performance and making sure you know, you guys were winning championships and all that. She was trying to connect with you all individually and look at, you know, more holistically, which uh, that's wonderful. Um, Are you still in touch with her today? Is she aware of how you're doing with running and, uh, you know, your recent breakthrough? Oh, yeah. Um, We are still the the alumni association with the gymnastics team is is very close knit. And so um, we're all constantly updating each other. And uh, we have an alumni event every October and then alumni meet, um, or not where we compete, but a meet where all the alumni come back in February. So at least once or twice a year, we try and um, connect with each other. Nice. Nice to stay in touch. And how about on the running side? Did you have a coach? I know you didn't have much experience, you know, with running, you know, in, in that at that particular time. Did you have anybody you know, besides your husband, obviously, because he's having a huge impact now and you guys are a team and husband and wife and and runners, et cetera. Um, anybody, you know, from the high school, college days who had an impact there? Yeah, I, I mean, even though I just did that one season of high school track, uh, the coach who had been there for a while, his name was Chris Beach. He was also this kind of positive, bubbly, could, you know, go run with one group, run with another. Yeah, you know, even, you know, connect with high school boys, connect with high school girls. And so I think he was someone who had a a big positive impact as I 
wasn't doing gymnastics during that time, um, helping me kind of transition out into track and out of track pretty quickly. Nice. Nice. So how do we make the actual transition into, you know, when you first get involved, you know, your Twin Cities 10 mile race is kind of your first real race, you know, where you kind of get involved and have a good result. Like, what were you doing before then? Were you just kind of running on your own? Had your husband got involved at all with your running at that point? Or are you just out there just doing your thing and said, let me just go run this 10 miler and see how I do? Yeah. So I actually, I kind of had forgotten. I had run, I was in a PA school, uh, school to become a physician assistant. Um, and I had run it once, just having no idea what I did. So I ran that about 75 minutes. Um, and that was a couple. So I think I had just sort of like been playing around and would go for runs, but very inconsistently with my school schedule. And so then after um, I finished PA school is when I was able to start more having consistency, finding out I really, truly liked running. Um, and I think that first year he would sometimes give me a little bit of, of advice, but it was still just sort of like, get your feet wet, see if you like this. And then after that is when we really kind of partnered up. Got it. So you didn't team up initially, which is good because you had to kind of figure out and it was smart. Uh, he wanted to see if you really had an interest and how much did you really like it and, you know, before getting serious about it. But your first real race where you had a, a solid result was 2018 was the second time around it at the Twin Cities 10 miler, right? That was kind of your first real race where you had some uh, a solid result and started thinking like, hey, you know, maybe maybe I should get a little more serious about this, right? Yes. And... You know, at that point, did you start working with your husband at that point and coming up with a coaching plan or was it still just kind of loose? Because that's like 2018, right? Timeline wise. Yeah, it was like late 2018 is when I, I started to think, kind of move in the direction of maybe I want to be doing this more seriously and, uh, you know, have consistency and understand more about why I'm doing what I'm doing and, you know, go from there. I also... Um, I was a, I, in early 2019, I joined Mill City Running, which is a big running club um, here in Minneapolis. Nice. And how did that impact things? Just having, you know, training partners and stuff, people to run with, um, or was it still your schedule where you kind of had to do a lot more stuff on your own? Like, how did that work? Did that help you in that regard? Yeah, a little bit of both. Um, it's a huge team. There are, I think, over 700 people who are participants on it. So anywhere from I want to run my first 5K and finish in 37 minutes to, you know, Kim and I who were going after the OTQ and some guys who are getting pretty close to it. Um, so very big tent. So just have this like big inclusive community, um, people to run, especially kind of uh Long runs, easy runs, things like that. So um, it's kind of a do as much as you want or do as much as little as you want. So with my work schedule, that is pretty nice. I can be present and be a lot of things and then unfortunately have to miss some stuff um, with working every other weekend and things like that. Yeah, it's great, though. It gives you the opportunity to socialize a little and have some easy runs and some company. Um, and then, you know, when you want to, you know, shift down and really dig deep and do harder workouts, you know, you have... Um, you have your time that you can fit that stuff in and, and you just got to make it work. Um, so when, when did you start to think like, Hey, I, I want to run a marathon, you know, you know, the first thought of the marathon, like when did that come into play? Did you just enjoy longer runs in general and distance stuff and just felt like, Hey, this is, this is where my talent might lie or I just enjoy it more. Like what was the thought behind that? Um, I think after the 2019 Twin Cities 10, 
Um, I had improved a couple minutes and I just felt like, what next? I'm enjoying this. I'm enjoying running, you know, easy runs. I'm enjoying intensity runs. Um, so I decided to run grandma's 2020, um, which obviously, unfortunately was canceled. So that was the first plan. So that was the first plan. And then grandma's went away for 2020 as did pretty much every race. And you ended up shifting gears, probably gave you more time to build your base, get stronger, um, build fitness. And your so your first one was grandma's in 2021, right? That was your debut. And that was your 254, um, 57. And you also ran a big negative split in that one as well, right? I mean, that was also a big negative split. So two, yeah. two marathons with negative splits. What was that one like? Cause I don't, I don't know what your splits are like. Do you remember? Yeah, I think, uh, so I think the first half was about 125 and the second half was about 120. So not quite. So about a 420, I think, ish negative split. So pretty, pretty big. So I really didn't know how hard to go out. I had had a little bit of injury building up into that race. Um, so mileage hadn't been that early spring hadn't been quite as high, um, but was feeling pretty good from kind of May, June on, um, and yeah, I just wanted to enjoy it and experience it and see what it felt like to run a marathon. So first couple of miles, I think were over before I knew it. Um, and then half, I was kind of like, oh, it's halfway and I should be going faster. <laughs> so I did. I love it. Keep it simple, stupid is a great expression. Yeah. I've learned along the way in my business life. Uh, yeah, I, I'm through at 125. I should be going faster. Okay, I'll just drop another four or five minutes here in my, in my debut. So um, what was your husband's impression? I mean, you know, he's a competitive runner and your coach and all. Like, what did he, was he like surprised, shocked, amazed, or just not like, okay, this is kind of what I thought you could do. Like, what was his reaction when you, when you dropped the uh, 254 debut marathon? Yeah, I think he was he was very excited for me, very happy. Uh, but I don't think he was particularly surprised. Um, I think I'm kind of the one who's a little more conservative in my abilities, and he's very data driven. So he's looking at a lot of statistics and a lot of graphs and a lot of um, changes in you know my heart rate and my interval paces and uh, drops in my easy runs. So I think he thought, yeah, that's where I thought she'd be. She did great. <laughs> Love it. Um, so you're you're kind of have a little bit of a different viewpoint, both of you, um, and you approached it conservatively. You know, you're out there running no matter what, whether he has the data and he's giving you advice and coaching and all that. Somebody still has to make those moves out there in the course, you know, whether you're going to, you know, try to, you know, crank things down and, and pick the pace up or, you know, am I in over my head here? Like what's going on? But what an amazing first experience. And uh, how about fueling? Did you have any issues with that? I mean, because obviously running a first marathon, it's all new. So every bit of it is new. How did how did that part of it go? Uh, yeah, I think that went pretty well. I did drop a gel and pick it up, <laughs> which I was really thankful for at the time. I was like, oh, no, should I pick it up? And I just scrambled and grabbed it, ran around, turned around <laughs> um, as soon as I realized. So um, those little things that hopefully I would do now. Um but I think, yeah, feeling went pretty well. He was on the course uh, with my parents and they had a plan on getting me, helping me get fuel. Um, so that was pretty good. I probably could have fueled more than I did, um, which was a big learning experience from the first one to the second one. And then just practice fueling a lot more between the first and the second as well, just so I could be comfortable taking that much fuel on the course. 
Got it. And you're talking about bottles or gels or a combination of both? Both, yeah. Excellent. So 254, you know, the old standard, you weren't, you know, that far away. You still were quite far away, but it wasn't as far away as when it dropped to 237. So what was your initial thought, you know, when you heard that? Um, Because I'm sure both you and your husband immediately were thinking like, oh, you got to go after the OTQ um, with that being your very first. I mean, did it take some momentum away? Did it not affect you at all? Like, how did how did that news hit you and your people that you train with? Because I know you're in in that group there that also has some other competitive runners. Yeah, I mean, I think initial was kind of like a little bit of a gut punch. Um, wasn't, you know, it was fast and expected. And to see all the professional runners on Instagram and other social media platforms saying that they thought it was a harsh drop was a little bit comforting, but also a little bit, again, of, okay, well, this sucks. Even the pros think that this is a little bit harsh. Um, but then it was something that really fueled my training and just kind of became a number that was in the periphery, but it was more about just day-to-day, getting stronger, getting good sleep, eating well, um, and just sort of a cumulative effect. That's great. Um, and yeah, I'm sure any woman who was anywhere near that standard had to have a, an extremely similar reaction. Who wouldn't? I mean, when you think you're starting to get close to something or maybe closing in on where you think you're close, and then all of a sudden somebody just moves the target, man, I don't think anybody's going to have a, a real positive reaction to that. Um, and I know, you know, being down in Atlanta, getting a chance to watch those trials, what an amazing experience it was to just see, you know, so many women out there just crushing it and supporting each other um, in training groups all over in New York City, in my backyard, all the different running clubs like your running club or my club, they're all coming together. They were all doing their long runs on the weekends. People were out there riding bikes and giving them their fuel. And, you know, us, our local New York City running scene, we were trying to do what we can to help them all get there so they could have that opportunity for Atlanta. So for you, you hitting this new standard, which where the target was moved so much aggressively hard. And I think a lot of women are wondering, I don't know if I can do this. I don't think I can do this. It's got to be pretty awesome that you actually did it. There must be people reaching out to you, right? Via Instagram, Strava or whatever, just saying like, holy crap, you know, you crushed it. You did it like amazing job. Like have people been reaching out and saying, hey, man, you really inspired me. You killed it. Like what's that been like for you? Yeah, other runners that I've met just uh, kind of over the past couple of years, I've been in touch with, and I think it's it's a this level of kind of speed. It's sort of this bubble where you're fast, and you're certainly you know you're putting in the time, you're putting in the workouts. Um, but this is you know we have most people running about my speed. It's like a piece of their life. You know they have other a full a full time job. Lots of women have families, um, and so just to have both in person and online support from each other is really, really great. Um, and I'm going to be, I'm going to run CIM in December. And I just, I hope that they're just, you know, dozens and dozens and dozens of women who hit it because the the data shows that I think only like 80 from the last cycle would make, would have hit it. And I just hope that like that's already surpassed by the time, you know, we get to 2023. That's awesome. And, you know, who knows in 2024 from there or 2023 till 2024, how many more can hit it too? Yeah. 
Um, it's a great thing to focus on. And, you know, the rising tide lifts all boats. So you hitting that number now at this point at grandma's is going to definitely help anybody who maybe was thinking was too far out of their range. It doesn't mean they're going to do it, but it might inspire them to say, hey, look at what Gabby did. Like, I got to just put more work in. I got to focus on those other things, nutrition, getting better sleep, um, focusing more on fueling on my long runs, whatever those little differences are between um, hitting an A standard race or, or hitting an OTQ standard, it just requires like so much extra discipline and so much extra work. But when somebody does it like you and accomplishes it, it inspires a lot of people. So uh, you should feel good about that. You uh, yeah. you got it done. And, uh, you know, that's why we're talking today. You know, it's like, holy crap, this is an amazing story. Man, look at, look at what she's doing here. Um, so leading up to grandma's before we got there, um, how about Oregon and talking about that experience, you know, running with Shalane in the half? Because that had to be like pretty big uh, running highlight to this point in your life, right? Yeah, um, it was pretty, pretty incredible. We had a pretty, so the the course for the half and the full are together for the first 10-ish miles. Um, so big pack of both men and women that kind of split off kind of smaller group by the time we got towards 10 and when the, the half and the full split um, but yeah, she was just sort of this guiding source of positivity and encouragement and just to be able to run with her, um, felt really cool. And then as we got a little more tired, she was giving some tips and, you know, some positive self-talk and things she uses. So it was pretty incredible to get to run with her and experience what it, you know, an ounce of what it's like to, to be in her headspace. Yeah. I mean, that's like once in a lifetime territory. Um, and it's not like a long run where you all are doing a long run together. It's an actual race. Um, so to be in that company and to have her sharing advice and information with you all, what a, what a lifetime experience for sure. And, you know, that was your half PR at that point, right? When you ran 117, you know, until you ran a second half faster negative split at grandma's this year. So, um, you know, when you when you finished up in Oregon, did you feel like you had any more in the tank? I mean, how how were you feeling when you finished the race that day? Yeah, I was just off of uh, ten days of travel, of which two were about eighteen hour journeys. Either way, so I just got back from Brazil on the Monday before I had been at a friend's wedding, um, and so I didn't have any idea what to expect for that race. I was very very nervous. I felt undertrained. I felt underslept, um, you know, all of the above. So I think that at that point, if it, if I had moved the half marathon back to pre the, um, trip, I think it probably would have been faster, but that was like all, that was all gas. That was everything I had at that point, um, with a little bit of poor sleep, sleep training, diet, things like that. Awesome. Man, that's some that's some long flights, and you're logging some serious miles, man. Holy cow! Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, not maybe not necessarily ideal conditions, but um, hopefully balanced by just the adrenaline of you know not only being in one of the greatest marathon runners in our history, but just such an inspirational woman athlete. Period. Overall, who continues to do so much um, for the running community. 
um, and inspires so many people running the six marathons in six weeks last year was totally yeah. bananas. Um, and actually people keep forgetting about the fact that Chicago and Boston were a day apart. Cause I actually have a few friends who did the Chicago Boston double, which is just, that was maybe more insane than anything. Cause just getting in and out of the airports was its own, yeah. you know, Olympics, you know, just flying and getting, you know, to the gates and all the other stuff. And then, you know, you're, you're, you know, basically lining up and, you know, you're going again. So, um, super, super yeah, impressed. Can't even imagine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Crazy, crazy, crazy stuff. So that leads you into this grandma's, which is your big breakthrough. So, Hey man, take us out there. Tell us about the race. Um, how did it feel? I can't imagine there's many low points. I would usually say high points, low points, but take us through the day, man. What were you feeling out there? And, you know, just, uh, share some of your experience. Yeah. I, uh, I love Duluth. It's only, you know, two and a half miles north, or not miles, hours north of here in Minneapolis. So uh, it kind of feels like a close to a home race. Uh, know the area. My brother-in-law's from up there. So felt just good to be up there. Um, we were incredibly lucky with our weather. So I have, you know, abs- I definitely felt nervous, but it was a very calm nervous. I can kind of get a little like panicky nervous, you know, checking like a thousand times is my watch charged? Is it those types of things? And, um, I didn't really feel that this time. Um, so was, was, uh, feeling just nice and calm morning of, um, found my friends and who I, you know, knew I was going to run with. We had a big pack of women who were going for the 237. Um, so that was easy to find and easy to sort out. Um, and then, yeah, really just wasn't quite, you know, had been questioning my fitness in the weeks leading up. Am I going to be, you know, I think I kept telling my husband, I would dance around the number 237. Um, but I never really said it. And he would say, you know, he never said it either. Cause I think he knew it would freak me out. So kind of, if there are, are women going on at 559, your body doesn't know the difference between 559 and 604, 603, uh, you know, just trust it. If you feel good and kind of things like that. So day of, I was feeling just absolutely fantastic. And I, I thought, you know, even if people go out a little bit faster, um, I can take a couple miles pretty fast and then maybe get a little bit more conservative, get into my groove. Um, see how I'm feeling at the half, um, go from there. So that was kind of my plan. And that's what I did. Um, went out a little like five fifty, a little faster or a little slower pace. Um, and then as I kind of probably got to like mile four thinking, okay, this is probably, this isn't going to be the sustainable pace. So kind of hit a groove and there was a, a big group of women working together. Um, so we all sort of stuck around till about half and then it sort of started to thin out a little bit. Um, and then at, at 18, the road splits. So in grandma's you're running along the lake, Lake Superior until about 18. And then you're sort of start to make your way towards actual Duluth. Uh, which is the city. So about 18, I think I was just feeling, I was feeling a little actually cramped in my hip, but I thought like, just ignore this. It's time to go. If you just ignore this, it will be fine. Um, so I, instead of slowing down or anything, I just decided I was going to speed up at that point. Um, so I had my parents and my husband on the course again, and I actually, I didn't qualify for, for bottles because I they didn't they couldn't accommodate for everyone and I didn't have a, a good enough time. So in the end, my husband and my parents were on the course with my bottles and everything. And that was 
awesome to see them every four or so miles and, you know, get some encouragement, something to look forward to when I'm starting to feel a little bit more tired. Um, and then there's a, a small hill that right as you go into the city, it's around mile 22, 23, but it feels like a mountain. So my family was at the top of that one and had a nice, you know, a bottle for me ready. Um, so I was kind of one more push there. And then my, my race team was that mile 24 and they're just crazy, exciting, encouraging. A ton of them had run the half, which starts crazy early. So they were all done and already celebrating. So just to have that push at 24 when I'm, you know, absolutely just trying to keep putting one foot in front of the other was great. And then, um, as you go into the canal park, which is kind of the, the area along the water in Duluth, you just get tons of energy, tons of excitement from the crowd. And yeah, just that, I think that last 400 meters, I think I just, anything I had left. What a great recap. Um, so you didn't have bottle service, um, you relied on your family and your husband, which lucky for you, the way that course sets up, you can, you know, actually get that done and have them out there, um, which is so important and so clutch at the kind of paces you're trying to run and maintain. Um, because without it, you know, your race can just, you know, it could just unravel late. You can be having a great race through 20 or 22 and then just, you know, just not be able to hold it. I love how you said you had the issue with your hip and you just gunned it anyway. Uh, most people, when they're having an issue of any kind of calf, something, you know, they'll usually ease off the other way just for a little bit and then, you know, try to regroup. So you actually, you know, you put the hammer down, you accelerated, you know, when you were having a little bit of a rough patch there. Totally awesome. And then, seeing your team late in the race. I mean, that's just an amazing spot to catch them. Now, did they know at that point? I mean, I'm sure everybody's got race tracking these days, so they have to know, probably looking at their phones, knowing like what pace you're on. Did they know that you were definitely under OTQ standard at that point? Or did you think they didn't know or they just didn't care? They were just all out there cheering and screaming their heads off. I think they knew. Yeah. I think they'll have the, tr the trackers. And so I think we have someone who isn't a statistician, but I think in his, his free time, he's sort of a statistician. He has every, everything calculated for everyone. And so I think if, if he was giving any info away, then he would have been updating. <laughs> That's great. Um, and what a perfect spot to see them late you know, for in, before you have to close. And, uh, it, it, I have not run grandma's, um, lots of friends have, um, had Dakota on and, um, I had Heidi Gaff on, um, last week who for, she's a mom of six and for nine years, she's been trying to run a sub three and she ran two fifty nine uh, 52 and literally, awesome. you know, she had a, a minute and 26 seconds left at the 26 mile mark and had to gun it to get, to get under. So, uh, you know, the race winner and her, you know, just both talking about the race and now you, it, it just sounds like such an amazing race and incredible community support. Um, obviously it's a great course to run, but, you know, being along the lake and all of that, but it just sounds awesome from everything I saw. And, um, there was a little clip from Dakota on YouTube, you know, doing the Macarena when she like passed <laughs> yeah. through that section. So you got music out there, you got crowds, you got people, um, sounds like a great race to run for sure. Um, and now for you, you know, coming across the line, I mean, did you, what did it feel like, man? I mean, you just, you just like smashed it and, you know, this this goal that maybe was out there kind of ethereal to some level that you really wouldn't even say out loud with you and your husband, because you both didn't maybe want to jinx it or a little afraid, you know, you just, you, you go through and you run two thirty four fifty seven, 
with 237 as a standard, were you like completely like losing it? Were you guys like a uh, party city? What was it like? Yeah, um, it was uh, pretty crazy to be running towards the finish and still see, you know, 234. And I, I didn't know at the end if I was sub 234 or sub 230 or just above sub 235 or, you know, just below, above or below. Um, at that point, it really didn't feel like it mattered. It's cool to say, you know, sub 235, but um, it just felt so great to have this race, enjoy this race, run it with so many strong women for most of it. Um, and then to finish even better than expected. And then my uh, good friend, Kim came in at 236.41. So that was pretty awesome too. Amazing. Um, to have your family there, your husband, your running club, your teammates. And then, as you said, the other women that you worked with during the course of the race, it doesn't matter if you ran a half with them or five miles or 10 miles, you're all working together. Y'all have mutual goals. So, um, it's community, you know, it's the very best of what our sport is. And your friend, you know, got under there too, man. It was, it was a lot closer for her, but it doesn't matter how close it nope. is. <laughs> the only thing that matters is she's in. Um, so that's, uh, that's super exciting stuff. And, uh, man, just huge, huge inspo, um, to hear you talk about it and, uh, very, very exciting stuff. And now you're moving on now you're folk, you're going to focus on CIM, which obviously is in December, but what between now and then will you, will you and your husband like work on your speed, you know, focus on that. Cause in summertime racing, even though you're in Minneapolis, like there's really not a lot of long distance racing going on. There is some, but for the most part, it tends to be shorter stuff a lot of 5k, five milers, maybe the occasional 10k, but that's kind of the nature of what we get over the course of the summer. So you're going to work on speed a little bit, or are you just going to like chill out a little bit before you really get into CIM? Cause obviously you have plenty of time before you got to put any focus on that. Yeah. So I'm going to do, there's a, those tracksmith 5k series and some of the cities throughout um, the country. So I did two, uh, both of those last year and they are just an absolute blast. So I am going to participate as a volunteer in the first one, which is end of this month. And then I'm going to race the second one. Love it. Those are fun. I mean, yeah. they got the music They're going, so cool. everybody's mm -hmm. got the spikes on. I mean, the energy is huge. Yeah. I mean, big, huge. Um, and we happen to have this crazy purple pink sky. I didn't run this one this year, but I've run it before. And you know, the photographers they get at these things are amazing. They're like Olympic level running photographers and they're out there shooting. I mean, these pictures don't look real. It looks like somebody painted the sky purple and pink and <laughs> they're all out there in their tracksmith gear and they got spikes on and they're all like pushing each other. Um, so what a great uh, experience and super cool that you're going to volunteer for one of them as well as run. Um, so good stuff. And then, you know, December... You know, it'll be there before you know it, but um, what a great race for you. Um, there's just so many fast, competitive women um, that run there every year, along with obviously fast, competitive men. So you're going to have company, you'll have people to push and, you know, who knows, you know, we'll see what your fitness is like at that level. You know, maybe, maybe you go for another, another dip down the chain here, man. Do you have a goal in mind? I mean, is it like sub 230 or is it just like too early to even think about things like that? I think uh, yes and yes to both. So I definitely like to shave off a few minutes, but I don't know, you know, I'll have to see closer mid-fall, how things are feeling, how things are shaking out uh, before I put a final goal in there. But definitely like to shave off a few more minutes. Nice, nice. So I, I ask every guest, like where their drive, energy, spirit, like where does it come from? Where do you think yours, yours comes from? Yeah, I think... For some reason, I was just always a very competitive kid, um, whether it was like, you know, competing against another kid in 
the, you know, soccer in like FIED class or, you know, competing against myself on can I do this better than I did the last time. And then I think with gymnastics that really fostered that, um, that competitive spirit. And so I think it's kind of just been every piece of my fiber for as long as I can remember. Um, so I do pretty well with just sort of focus and rules. I've always been a real follower um, and that structure. So I think that lends itself to running. Oh, it sure does. It definitely does indeed. And uh, how about mantras like mindset during the race? Do you have anything specifically that you use like an actual mantra or maybe a few or is it anything you do with mindset when you're f trying to focus on your races out there? Um, yeah, I have like, you know, just very simple, like you were strong, you were positive. This is easy. Stay on top of this, things like that. Um, uh, but I don't have like mantras that I am saying over and over to myself or anything like that. Um, my, for me, it's more when I get tired, I start trying to listen to my feet, um, and try and just focus on something else, um, aside from what I'm physically feeling in my body. There you go. Um, how about darkest hole you've ever dug out of either in a race or in, in life, uh, some experience or something that you've come through and how did you make it through? Yeah, I had a really hard time with mental fitness in college. Um, I had a successful freshman year and because of that kind of rule following and drive and type A personality, I kind of came into my sophomore and junior years thinking that they had, I had to be, you know, stronger and a better leader and more successful and everything felt so much more important than it really was. And so that sort of pushed me into uh, a period where certain skills that I've been doing since I was 12, I, I couldn't do, I couldn't get past. I physically would, you know, I have memories of standing in, you know, a very specific position on beam supposed to be, you know, doing a backflip and just not moving, being absolutely frozen in time. Um, and again, this is something I could do in my sleep. Um, and so really working with my teammates, my coaches, a sports psychologist on both balancing how to get over that. And then also kind of learning to prioritize things that are important in life and, you know, maybe taking a step back and being a better teammate than competitor in that moment. And, um, working on visualization, working on controlling my anxiety, um, and getting the help I needed. It took probably about a year, year and a half. Um, but with a lot of support, I was able to, to come through it. That's great. And utilizing the tools that you had, you know, through college, which is, which is helpful. Um, and lots of the runners that come on my show, you know, are actively working on a lot of those very same issues, you know, in their own life, uh, anxiety and all sorts of other things. And, you know, getting, getting therapy, is helpful. And, um, you know, do you have any, any anxiety about your racing and running? Cause obviously you're doing incredibly well, um, like before races or during a buildup or whatever, or you, or does it just feel totally different than like gymnastics? Yeah, it's way different. Uh, but it, they have their trade-offs. I think up until this point, I haven't really had to, it'd be, it's been more of an enjoy the process. And so there's been those days where you've just been so tired and getting through a workout and uh, completing the tasks you need to do have been really challenging. Um, but the focus had been so much more on the buildup. And then now that I have had some success, it's feeling like there's a little bit more focus on, you know, what's next and how am I going to continue to improve? So I'm trying to 
allow myself some space there, but also use that to say, yes, I do want to continue to improve. I do want to increase my mileage um, and just trust my training. Cause I think that's something last couple of weeks going into the, to the race, I was feeling good. I was getting my interval sessions in, I was getting my long runs in, but um, just thinking like, what's everyone else doing? Am I going to be as, you know, am I going to be as strong as they are? Am I going to be ready to go? Um, kind of some self-doubt and just trying to check that. Yeah. I think everyone has that at any level, your level as an elite, you know, somebody who just qualified the trials or anything else. Um, it's kind of normal as we get, you know, we, we all can get the taper crazies and stuff as we get in to a week or two before the marathon, but also the mental part of, you know, did you do enough or could I have done more and stuff like that. So that leads me into discussion about you and your husband as a team with coaching. So um, do you feel like you've had you know, you had a great coach in college, you know, on the gymnastics side or at an impact, you guys work really well together. You have to, because look at your results. You can see, you know, that it's a good team operation, but, um, are you guys good at, you know, sharing the tough stuff, you know, like, Hey, if you think you might want to try more, or he wants you to try more, like, how does that work in the balance of husband wife relationship? Cause it is a little different dynamic. Yeah, I'd say it's, you know, like 85% awesome, 15% frustrating, which I think if that's a coaching and spouse relationship, that's pretty good. Um, my slow runs are really slow. And so one of the biggest critiques will just be like, hey, can you come to the computer? And then he'll have all of my data pulled up and tell me that I'm running too fast on my slow runs. <laughs> um, so that's one of our, our big points of contention is just continue to slow down. Um but yeah, I think in terms of how to, you know, day to day, it can mean that, you know, I had this interval session. I didn't really want to have, and I'd like to vent to my husband that like, this sounds like it's going to suck, but he's the one who wrote it. Um, so he's not going to have much, much comment there. Um, but for the most part, yeah, it's, it's pretty great. We can adjust things. You know, he, I have a weird work schedule. He knows exactly what my work schedule is going to be, and he can make sure that the weeks that I'm not working. Um, I have tons and tons of time to train and that can be my main focus. And then, you know, if we're going to a concert, maybe the next day I'm not doing an early run things like that. That's great. Um, again, don't even have to worry about texting or whatever. You could do it over dinner or, or somewhere yeah. else, um, that you're, you're sharing, uh, the same house, the same space, but you know, it's always gotta be a little uncomfortable. It's so funny. I had, uh, had Kim Conley on the professional runner and her husband has been coaching her since like her college days. And she had, she had to get injections for plantar fascia on like both feet. And she never told her husband during the training cycle, cause she wanted to make another Olympic trials. And she was battling this through the cycle. And, um, you know, just like, it's just, the dynamics are just so different between, you know, the different relationships we have. And, you know, there are many husband and wife coaching teams on the elite level and running. It's not that unusual, but how we communicate and how we talk about those things could always, could always be a little tricky. And there's always that tendency, even me, I just know myself. I don't know if I want to tell anybody about an injury or anything, maybe only my closest running friends. Like, so you might tell your closest running friend about something that's starting to be a niggle, but you might not want to tell him because he's your coach. Right. I mean, we all go through that stuff, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, hard part. Yeah. Is the, do I tell you, do I not, do I make a thing of it? Is it just something that's going to be gone by the end of my run or is it something I need to be more aware of? So, Absolutely. No doubt. Um, and uh, I always, on the end of every show, I love to talk about community service, like 
things that uh, runners that come on my show are doing or maybe want to do, maybe they were doing in the past, um, something that you have thoughts about doing. You already mentioned one thing already at, uh, at Tracksmith, you know, volunteering at that. But what's something that you've either done or want to do, you know, to try to help and give back in the community? Yeah. So um, after I graduated PA school, up until the pandemic, I was doing a sexual health education program for teens uh, through a nonprofit here in Minneapolis called The Link. So that definitely went away with COVID. So getting that back, I think, um, giving kids resources, it's really just helping them learn about their own bodies and their own tools and things they need uh, for their own sexual health. And so being able to get started back up in that uh, kind of hopefully post-COVID here. Awesome. Good stuff. And hopefully now that you're achieving so much more in the running community and people are going to be more aware of who you are, you'll have some opportunities to um, at larger races, maybe even at like CIM or something like that, host some shakeout runs and meet some other runners because, you know, your story is inspiring, man. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> to to get under that standard is a huge deal. And the amount of numbers are down so much as you pointed out in the show. And hopefully they will, it'll start to boost up a little bit. You know, we have time. Um, it's not like uh, the, the period is ending, you know, next month or anything. There's definitely still time. And we're all, we all work through the various things that we do. So hopefully you'll get a chance to do some more things in the community and just kind of spread a little um, of your story about uh, what you've been doing and how you got there. And I'm thankful you came on and shared it with the Run Chats audience because I know it's going to inspire a lot of people. So thanks so much for coming on and sharing with us. Yeah, I really appreciate you giving this giving me the space to, to chat with you and share my story. Awesome. And do you have any, like one last message maybe to leave with the Run Chats audience for anybody, like a, a final message? Yeah, I, I think one thing that I've really been kind of reflecting on is kind of betting on yourself, um, you know, within your own limitations um, of what's realistic. But I think I'm learning that people are going to be there for you. They're going to want to support you, um, but that can only go so far. So I think if you bet on yourself, um, it's contagious and other people will want to bet on you. And then they'll also want to bet on themselves. And I think whether it's running family work, a different hobby, you know, I, I think that it's sort of like a contagious positivity. Love it. Great message to land it on. Um, no doubt, uh, definitely a great spot for us to, uh, to sign off. So thanks again so much for coming on, uh, Gabby, I really appreciate it. And we tell everybody at the end of every episode to keep lacing them up, to keep getting out the door, and always remember to stay in the fight. Wow, that is inspiring stuff from Gabby Rooker. I first learned of her breakthrough reading an article on her at Fast Woman and just knew I had to get her on the show. And I'm so stoked to share her inspiring journey. I mean, it's just wild to think about her first two marathons, 254, 234. And the sky's the limit. Um, she's got the work ethic. She has the grind. Her and her, her husband, Coach, have a great dynamic going. And uh, she just, uh, she has those intangibles forged from uh, all the years of competitive gymnastics. So excited to see where she goes from here. And even more importantly than how how much faster she gets and how much she can drop her times, I'm excited to see 
on what sort of lift it can provide to other women chasing that new 237 standard. You know, the old saying, a rising tide lifts all boats. I'm hoping that hearing Gabby's words and her energy and positivity um, will inspire other people uh, to just get after this goal and make it actually happen. So uh, she'll be out there at CIM, man. Get out there. Line up with her. Um, get in touch with her. Give her a follow. And just, uh, you know, be inspired. So I'm so excited for her coming on and sharing her journey. And I hope you all enjoy it as much as I did. And if you have a moment and uh, the convo made you get excited, um, felt inspired in any way, take a moment, hop on Apple Podcasts, write a quick review. As I say at the end of every episode, it really helps us get great guests like Gabby to come on and share their inspiring stories. And it brings us new uh, runners to the Run Chats community. We want to keep building this thing out with positivity. So appreciate everyone who takes that extra step. It really helps us grow. And as we say at the end of every episode, keep lacing them up, my friends. Keep getting out the door. And always remember to stay in the fight. <laughs>